This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What, Billy up? This is the game. Yeah. It's a uh, cat and mouse. Smoked a turkey. <laughs> He is down. He is freaking down. Said he shot an absolute giant. Fall Obsession, baby. Welcome back, everybody, to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. I am your host once again this week, Sam Thrash with Fall Obsession. And I am joined this week, finally, once again, by my good buddy, our media production manager, Nick Powell. What's going on, Nick? Hey, what's going on, Sam? Looking forward to the podcast. It's been a minute since I've been on here, huh? I know it. it it's a weird feeling uh, that <laughs> we that you know. I'm I'm glad that we've had the opportunity, you know, to have guys the past couple of weeks like Drew and Rob and Nathan and get those guys in here because they had some awesome stories and made for some awesome episodes with us. But man, I I miss podcasting with you, man. It's fun. <laughs> I know, I know, and something that's even more weird is that. We're uh, podcasting over the phone. I know. So, so for you guys that are are new to listening to the podcast or new to following Fall Obsession, if this is one of your first ones to listen to, or even if it's not, um, Nick and I have done a good chunk of the podcast together, either with a third person or not, and we always meet up and do them in person because we have the luxury of living a little closer to each other than anybody else on our staff. And so we, like I said, we normally meet up, but man, June has just been crazy. I don't know about you, but it has just been crazy. Oh man. I've had to pick up a second job. Uh, well not had to, uh, it was, a, I kind of wanted to, but, uh, I was blessed with a second job. We'll say that. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's been pretty hectic time at home has been slim. So every chance I get to spend t- some time with the family, uh, I like to take advantage of it. I'll I'll be posting some of that on our our new uh, series off season. So yeah, absolutely. heads up heads up for that. Yeah, off season is a good series. You guys should check it out. It is like Nick said, 
kind of showing some of the stuff that our guys have been working on at home, especially given everything um, that's going on in the world right now. Um, just to kind of give you guys some insight into what we've been up to. Um, yeah, but but June's just been a crazy month, and and because of that, we're there's been several times where we're trying to throw a podcast episode together really quick to to make something happen for you guys and keep keep publishing that consistent content for y'all. Um, and that being the case, Nick and I are on the phone today instead of uh, meeting up in person. So that's what you got. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so before we get into it, guys, as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Elite Archery. Um, we are very grateful for our partnership with them, Larry Mack. And all those guys over at the outdoor group have really um, done a lot for us and uh, and helped grow our brand and put quality products in our hands. We couldn't be more happy for our partnership with them. Um, so if you guys get a chance, I won't I won't uh, spend too much time just ranting and raving. But if you guys get a chance, go check out Elite Archery on EliteArchery.com. They have all their products, their brand products on there, including bows. You guys can go and customize your bow. they got a bow builder. You can make it however you want. You can even order it from their website, have it shipped directly to you. And, of course, you can go check them out at your local dealer. That's what I always recommend. That way you have a chance to shoot it alongside other brands, compare it, and really form your own opinion about it. So if you get a chance, go check out Elite Archery and and shoot one, man. See what you think. So, Nick... Um, again, we're throwing together an episode for our listeners, but I honestly think we got a pretty cool topic, um, here today and that is, that is preparing for bow season. You and I are both bow hunters and we're at the end of June right now. Not a lot of people think about, you know, bow hunting in the summer, you know, guys, minds are typically on scouting, fishing, um, doing other stuff, tournament archery, that kind of stuff. But, um, this is honestly a, a, a really good time to start honing your skills and making sure that you're prepared for what's coming up in the fall for another successful bow season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly important to, um, be prepared, uh, for, for the upcoming season because not only in it, from a physical standpoint, but also an ethical standpoint, uh, you want to be ready. So I think this is a, a great topic to touch on. Uh, especially because right now we are in the prime time for prepping. So yes, this is, this is when it needs to go down. I completely agree. So the first thing that, that I kind of want to lead into the discussion with is, um, uh, the equipment, obviously your, your bow itself, your, your archery setup, um, whether that's a, a bow you've used in years past or, or even a new bow and the importance of making sure that, that is ready to go. Um, and I know there's some guys that shoot year round. There's some guys that pull their bow out a few weeks before season and shoot. And when the season's (laughs) over, they put it back in the case, put it back in the closet. And they don't think about it until next fall. Not saying either one is right or wrong, but you have those, you know, guys on one side, guys on the other and anywhere in between. Um, but I really feel like the more, the more that you shoot in the off season, the better you're going to be. And rightfully so. It's kind of common knowledge, in my opinion. But absolutely. Um, as far as tuning your bow and everything, and and I'm just going to dive right in and tell guys kind of what I what I like to do with mine, and that is kind of July, August, that time window right there. I'm going to give my bow um, what I refer to as a deep tune, where I'm really going to dive in there. I'm going to go through every little detail of it. 
and I'm going to make sure that it is shooting absolutely perfectly. And then I'm going to go out there and I'm going to start shooting on the range. I'm going to start practicing at the distances that I'm looking to looking to reach. And then probably one more time before I go back out, before this, right before the season starts, I'm going to do what I call a confirmation tune, which is just where I go out there, I just double check everything, I run it through paper just to make sure that everything's shooting good. And, and I'm golden. It's mainly just just kind of reaffirming, giving me that confidence, you know, as we as we enter the season, you know, what I'm that my equipment's good to go. Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of experience with tuning, but I will say that coming newly into tuning uh, or being a newcomer into tuning, it's. I thought it was really cool that you could tune a bow and I've said this before in a podcast, but that you could tune a bow, uh, to yourself. And so that's, I think if you could make that pulling that bow back and letting that air fly as comfortable as can be, man, I think get it as, as precise as it can be. And not only for you, your comfortability, but also for that animal. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. I know we talked about that, um, in our previous podcast where we had Larry McCoy, from elite archery on board we talked a lot about tuning and a lot about stuff like that and i yeah. encourage you guys to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already because it really is a good episode and larry gives us a lot of good information not just about elite archery but just about bow hunting and and your equipment in general um, but what you say that that is a good segue into something that i was going to bring up kind of on this same topic and that is uh bringing a new bow into the picture whether it's a brand new bow, like brand new model that's never been shot before, whether it's a new bow to you, whether you buy it used from somebody else. Like you said, Nick, these bows nowadays, you tune them to you, which means mm-hmm. if you buy a new bow off the shelf or if you buy a bow from somebody else, regardless, it is not tuned to you. That's something that you have to go do or have done, and and it's only going to make you a better shooter. You may very well be able to pick up somebody else's bow that's roughly or exactly the same draw length and shoot it and feel comfortable and be shooting pretty good. But that's not going to change the fact that that arrow may be coming out of that bow at an angle because exactly. your, your, your torque, your grip is, is different, you know? So that, that was the point I was going to make on new bows was just whether it's a brand new bow, like I said, or a new bow to you, making sure that you go have that tune before the season starts, because it's very important that you do that because that's only going to make, your shot better when it comes down to it. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, and now I, I know, Sam, you said you want to do a deep tune. Why don't you dive in a little bit further for the listeners who aren't as familiar with tuning of what a deep tune actually consists of? Yeah, absolutely. So what I consider a deep tune is, like I said, going through every little detail. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to start by checking my center shot. I'm going to make sure that my arrow rest is lined up um, with my string and the inside track of my cam. And and I think I've meant when I've talked about tuning a little bit here and there in previous episodes, I've mentioned that it's very hard to describe some of this stuff without a visual, which is where videos come into play. And we have right, a lot yeah. of we have we have a lot of videos of our own, and we have a lot more coming up that are actually going to show this stuff that we're talking about. Um, so. But but I'm going to keep going, um, and you guys can take away what you can from it for from a listening standpoint. 
but I'm going to make sure that my arrow and my arrow rest are lined up with my string, with the inside track and my cam left to right. I'm going to make sure that it's level with the bow um, up and down. And then I'm going to put it on a, uh, a draw board or to check the cam timing, basically. I'm going to make sure that both of my cams and both of the stops on my cams, whether they're cable stops or limb stops, are hitting at exactly the same time. Um, if you're if you're drawing back and you're feeling like you have a spongy back wall, like it's it's squishy, it doesn't feel rock solid. Um, one of the common things that you'll find is that one of your cams, one of your stops, is hitting before the other one, which is causing that that sponginess, if you will. Which is and to fix that, you typically need a bow press. You typically need some twists take brought in or taken out of a cable this is where if you don't know what you're doing i recommend having a bow tech at a bow shop um, help you out with this um, but you really want to those are the first two things that i'm going to check to make sure that everything is lined up and and shooting correctly because if either one of those two are out then i could spend hours at a paper tuning rack trying to figure out what the problem is and not get anywhere so after that i'm going to shoot it through paper I'm going to see what kind of tear I'm getting, and then I'm going to begin to adjust my bow um, depending on what I'm seeing, whether it's tail left, tail right, up or down. Um, and, uh, and if you guys take your take your bow into a shop to get it tuned, the local tech can um, show you guys what what's going on. He can, he can explain it to you a little better, again, with that visual. And again, videos on our pages help with this as well. But I'm really going to, I'm going to shoot through paper and I'm going to adjust accordingly. Now, different bows adjust different ways based on what kind of tear you're getting. Right now, I'm shooting the 2020 Cure from Elite Archery. And what's really cool about the Cure is that you can adjust for your tear without even using a bow press. Their new set technology is absolutely amazing. Nick and I have both witnessed this on multiple bows that just a couple of turns with a little Allen screw is all it, all you need to adjust that bow and customize it to you. And again, we have videos on our pages. Elite has videos on this to explain what we're talking about. I'm not really going to dive in any more than that in a podcast because it's very, very complex to just try to verbalize it, I feel like. <laughs> right, yeah, I agree. And Larry, uh, in our podcast with Larry, he brought up a cool story where uh, they took one bow on a hunting trip and uh he there was a uh, another gentleman there with him who was hunt, he, who he was hunting with and this guy used the, that cure to uh kill like they set it to where it was comfortable for him the draw length and everything was comfortable to him he went out killed him a buck with it and then uh they brought the bow back that night larry tuned it to him right there in the field just using a, a, an allen wrench and he went out the next day and killed him a mule deer with it. And so I thought that was, and that, and that just goes to show how how cool that cure is, and how easy that that, that elite made it for uh, guys like like us to to tune it right there in the field. Yeah, it it is absolutely amazing. So, um, anyway, that that's kind of what I look for when I'm talking about a deep tune it is breaking everything down, every little last detail to make sure that when I go out there at the range and I start practicing that I am I have no doubts in my equipment the same as I want in the field there are no doubts in my equipment and I can truly work on my own ability to shoot my own form and follow through and everything that I'm looking for myself as an archer without having to worry about my bow itself so that that's the idea 
um, in my mind behind a deep tune. Awesome. That's good stuff. So once you get your, uh, once you get everything tuned up and ready to go, you know, it's time to side it in, right? Now it's time to side it in. And especially if you make a lot of adjustments, um, even if you shot the same bow the year before, if you make a lot of adjustments or your bow is really out of tune and needed some help, um, you're probably going to have to recite some of your pins in. And it varies depending on the site that you have, exactly how in-depth that process is going to be. Me, personally, I have uh, a CVE hybrid. Um, it's a it's a five-pin, uh, excuse me, a five-pin site with a slider on it. So basically, I'm sighted in 20 through 60 yards. And then if I'm shooting at a target farther than 60 yards, I can move my slider to the exact yardage that I'm shooting and my bottom pin will adjust to that. Um, again, a complex thing to talk about, but if my bow is just a little bit off, I could be changing a lot of things with a complicated sight like that. Yeah, that's a good point. So when you're sighting in, and, and this is this is kind of segueing into the next portion of this discussion, um, and, and that is as far as preparing yourself for what you're going to be doing. Preparing yourself for... Um, the ranges that you're typically going to be shooting, the environments you're typically going to be in, angles, elevation, all that kind of stuff um, comes into play. I know for me, I have had a big push in the last couple of years to get more into western hunting, um, hunting pronghorn up in Montana. And Nick, I yep. know that you're going to be, um, hopefully, we're still waiting on the draw results, but hopefully you're yep. going to be, hopefully we're all going this year, including you for the first time. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked about it, man. I can't wait. But, and I think that you might be able, and I know that, um, granted, we just got done talking about, you know, how busy June has been. And obviously with everything that's been going on, it's been hard for us to get out there and practice a whole lot lately. We hope that in the very near future we can, and we definitely need to. But um, I also thought this would be something cool that you could kind of talk about, Nick, because you're going to, this year, you're going to be introduced to a whole new animal with a new bow yep. in your hand, a new bow for you. And, and you're going to kind of start working toward being able to take on those, those longer ranges that we're talking about. So I thought that, um, it might be a good idea to get kind of your perspective and some things that, and I, like I said, I know we haven't really actually gotten to physically dive into it out there on the range yet, but maybe talk about kind of what your thoughts are as you're looking ahead to this and, and some things that you're, you're thinking about right now. Yeah. So when I started my bow hunting journey, uh, it was mainly because down here in Texas, we don't have a whole lot of public land, you know, wide open spaces to go to go out and uh, try and spot and stalk things. So what we do mainly is stand hunting or whether it be a ground blind or a tree stand or a tripod. We're going to we're going to sit there, you know, and we're we're going to let those deer come in to 10, 15, 20 yards uh, to where we can get a good shot on them. And so just the thought of having to take a shot at an animal that I've never really never even seen in person before, uh, at maybe 60, 70 yards is super intimidating. Uh, which is why I'm actually taking a lot of, uh, advice from this podcast as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty intimidating to think, uh, that you're going to walk out there you know, get as close as you can, which as close as you can might be 80 yards and to actually take a shot with a bow yeah, at, at 80 yards is, is, uh, 
it's intimidating, but uh, I'm looking forward to the whole process, the setting the bow up, putting the new equipment on, getting it tuned uh, specifically to me and, and getting it, getting it dialed in. What kind and of then just, just perfecting uh, that, that shot. Yeah. Uh, what kind of bow are you running? Going to be running. This so day, I'm going to be running a, a ritual. It's an elite ritual and 35 and I'm looking forward to uh, just getting that thing decked out and ready to rock and roll so I can put a, a old pronghorn on the ground, if you know what I mean. Yeah, get you, get you a speed goat <clears throat> on the wall. Yes, <laughs> that's what I was trying to think of was speed goat, but I couldn't think of it. <laughs> no, man, I, and, and giving it, you know, advice for you, advice for our listeners that are in this same boat, you know, if long, if, if long range is that next challenge, if long range is that next step that you're looking to take to, um, the, toward a net, a new experience that you're about to have, or, um, a new challenge you just want to take on. Um, the, the biggest thing is going to be getting your basics and your fundamentals down because that shooting at 20, 30, 40 yards and being consistent there and really perfecting your form, your follow through, um, all that stuff is going to make the huge, make it a lot easier, make a huge difference when you finally step up to those longer range, those 60, 70, 80 yard shots that Nick's talking about. So, and I know that you and I, Nick, are going to be able, are going to get out there on the range together. We're going to start working on this stuff. We're going to start shooting. And, and, and I by no means am calling myself an expert. Um, I haven't shot a whole lot of long range in, in recent months, so I'm going to be having to go, go through it with you, you know, to get ready for this year. But, um, I'm looking forward to it, man, because it's, it's going to be really fun. And I know that you're really going to enjoy seeing that progress from when you first start and you're shooting at a bale at 70 yards and you're nowhere near a kill zone. And by the end of it, you're putting all your arrows in a softball size group down there, man, at 80 yards. It's going to be freaking yeah, that's, awesome. That's definitely the goal. And then that cherry on top is going to be when that draw, those draw results come out, we all get drawn. Hey, and then we're all going to Montana in hey, October. Don't so jinx can, us, man. Don't jinx us. <laughs> hey, I'm just speaking it into existence is all. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope so, man, because I'm really looking forward to it. I'm hoping that we get it. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. So, again, and, and I, we've, we're talking about long-range shooting in reference to Western hunting. And, and Western hunting, we're, you know, Nick and I have a, a pronghorn hunt that we're hoping to go on. But western hunting could be elk hunting, it could be mule deer hunting, it could be a bunch of other stuff that maybe you guys have on your bucket list or on your radar this year. Um, right now for Nick and I, it's just pronghorn. I really hope that in future years we can add elk and mule deer to that list. That would be oh, yeah. awesome. Um, but but it's applicable to all those, those uh, pursuits right there, guys. Um, and, and talking about challenges, because long range is one challenge. There, there can be... There can be other stuff that you guys are, are wanting to work on depending on your environment or your level. Um, examples being um, shooting from elevation even, something as simple as that, or shooting um, from a sitting position or, or a ground blind, that kind of stuff. All those, all those are things that should not be taken for granted, even if you've done them before. Um, it, it's a really good thing to be able to practice what you know, practice what you are anticipating your environment is going to be if that makes any sense yeah that's a that's a really great point sam uh because 
I know last year when we went down to San Angelo for our management hunt, for our staff hunt, sitting in the ground blind, a lot of the time we, we were sitting in the ground blinds hunting with our bows. And so being able to, being comfortable enough to, in a seated position, be able to pull that bow back and make a clean shot is completely different. Because I don't know about you, but I know when I go out on the range, I'm standing my feet shoulder width apart, uh, kind of angled towards the, you know, towards the, the target. And that's like the most comfortable position to shoot a bow. Uh, I think that is applicable to everybody. Um, and so that was a huge difference for me. And that's something that, uh, I regrettably say that I didn't plan for. Luckily, uh, I'm in, you know, well enough physical shape where I was able to make it happen last year, but that was something that I didn't even think that didn't even cross my mind before we went to that San Angelo hunt was having to sit down and take a shot. And so, uh, luckily I was able to, like I said, I was able to make it happen, but, um, exactly what Sam said, if you know what shots you're going to be taking, whether that be from a kneeling position, a sitting position up in an elevated stand, uh, shooting down at a pretty steep angle, take those shots prior to going out there and and uh that way you can perfect that shot when the time comes because we all know we, we get buck fever no matter whether it's a doe or a turkey you know yeah your heart's going to be pumping you're going to be breathing fast you're going to have to calm yourself down uh so just being able to be more as comfortable as you can be making those difficult shots absolutely and another thing to think about too and as you get closer to the season you don't I do not really recommend this, but I'll touch on it briefly. If you guys are going out there right now, June, July, to you know fill feeders or check your food plots, plant or set up stands, do stuff like that, especially like right after you put up a stand is a good time to do this. But take you a block target out there. Take your bow with you. Put your stand yep. up. Set your block target out there and just shoot a few arrows through it. You know, just shoot from your actual stand in the actual scenario that you're going to be hunting in. I mean, that can make the world of difference of knowing, okay, you know, in my tree stand, if I I need to be careful about this branch, I might want to cut this branch off because it's going to get in the way. Or in your ground blind, I need to sit farther back, you know, to make sure that I have enough room and I don't bump or shoot through my blind, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> That's stuff that you want to think about ahead of the time and and not not deal with that in the moment you know so right so that's that's always a good thing to to work on and then also re- go ahead and range in your setups um I, I am i am of the opinion that a hunter should always be prepared to range in the field and to adapt to the range that his target is at um i i feel like that makes you a better hunter but if you are hunting a specific place all the time then why not know your ranges and practice at those ranges? Because if you yeah. have a target at 34 yards, you may not have a pin for 34 yards. So you need to be able to practice, and, th- and this goes into a whole other topic, but practice at those oddball distances so that you know what you're, where you need to hold your pin in order to get an accurate shot at a 30, range of 34 yards, you know, stuff like That's that. Because I know for me, with my bow... It varies, and it's going to vary for everybody, which is why you have to practice. But I know that, like, using that 34-yard number, for example, if I have a target at 34 yards, I'm still going to use my 30-yard pin. 
that that is me and my bow and knowing how my bow shoots and how my arrow flies but if i back up to 37 yards i know that i'm going to be using my 40 yard pin because it's and again it just it's how my bow shoots and how i shoot that bow and and it's it, it's weird it sounds crazy if you've never heard of it before but those oddball ranges man they can mess with you if you don't know your own equipment yeah i completely agree one more thing that we can touch on is the difference between field tips and, and broadheads because i know slick trick makes uh, quite a few different types of broadheads and i know a lot of them come with a practice broadhead that you can use uh in order to practice with <laughs> it's kind of in the name yeah but <laughs> but uh you know try and, and shoot a few shots with that practice broadhead to make sure your arrow is flying the same as it as it does with a field tip uh because that there's a lot of factors that go into how that arrow is flying and uh something as small as as changing the tip on your arrow can can make a whole world of difference yes i i always recommend testing your broadheads field testing your broadheads before you go out there and nick is right most manufacturers provide especially mainly with the expandable heads they provide a practice head to shoot through your bow and i i know that there's a lot of different opinions about practice broadheads running around out there um because in reality and i'm not trying to knock any manufacturer out there but in reality they are built different than the actual broadhead themselves and and this is what guys don't like to hear and i'm being brutally honest here but if you truly <laughs> if you truly want to know how that broadhead is going to fly you're going to shoot the actual broadhead you're going to yeah. sacrifice one of those broadheads in that pack to be your practice head and you're going to shoot the actual broadhead and broadheads broadheads are expensive man i get it not a lot of guys want to do that, and if you can't do that, then you can't do that. But I, that is the most accurate and the best way to be able to fine-tune your broadheads. And the way that they make broadheads now, they're really, if your bow is tuned properly to you and your whole setup is, is exact, and that includes your arrow, your arrow spine, your arrow weight, and the way that your arrow's fletched, like down to all those last details, if it is correct, there should be no difference between your broadhead and your field tip. And yep. and guys are going to argue me on that. There's guys that are going to hear me say that in this podcast and are going to disagree. And I, I understand your opinion and I understand where you're coming from, believe me. But I, <laughs> I truly believe that if everything is proper, there should be no difference. And and it, it does depend on the quality of broadhead. I also believe that there are good brands and bad brands out there, and I'm not going to knock anybody. But if you're shooting a good quality broadhead, then there should be no issues. And I'm, of course, going to recommend our friends over at Slick Trick. Um, and you guys are going to say it's because we're sponsored by them. Yes, we are sponsored by them. But we would not be sponsored by them if we did not truly believe in their products. I, yeah, hundred percent. And you can take that with a grain of salt. You can take my word for whatever it's worth for you. But, but we we at Fall Obsession would not associate ourselves with a company if we did not believe in the products that company produces. I I will say that. But anyway, the we did a broadhead test last year with the Slick Tricks, and 
you can go out there and watch videos, watch tests where guys shoot a field point and then they shoot a broadhead um, at 20, 30 yards and and everything is right next to each other. Well, we did that. We did a 20-yard shot with a slick, a slick trick raptor trick, which is their expandable head. Um, mm-hmm. And we did it at 20 yards and it was on the money. But we took it farther. We went back to 50 yards and did the exact same thing and the arrows were no farther apart than they were at 20 comparing a field tip to the broadhead itself. So if you guys if you guys have doubts whether it's slick trick and you can go watch that video that I'm talking about on our YouTube page or it's another brand of broadhead you can go out there and you can find videos and look at reviews and actually watch guys shoot these broadheads if you want to see what other guys opinions are before you go spend the money or sacrifice the broadhead yourself to try it. Again, I'm always going to recommend that you try it with your bow and your setup, but like I said, if it's a good quality head and everything is working appropriately and is tuned in, then you should have no issues. Well, Sam, I know we talked a little bit uh, earlier about uh, challenging yourself mm-hmm. and, and trying to achieve those challenges. I think it's it, that's really important to, to set goals for yourself. Yes. Um, whether that be yardage, whether that be poundage, whether that be your the animals you want to hunt, yeah. uh, or whether it be your physical fitness, depending on which animal you want to hunt. Because I know it takes a lot more physical fitness to go to Colorado and hike into the mountains and hunt an elk than it does sitting down here like we do in Texas sitting in a blind. <laughs> that, that is a very good point, and making sure that you are prepared for what you're about to take on. Because, I mean, it's exactly what you just said. Down here in Texas or in the southern area or, or anywhere really where you have stand setups and you hunt out of blinds, tree stands, that kind of stuff. I mean, your longest hike is from your truck to your stand and then from your stand to go recover your animal. You know, I mean, that's the majority of the walking that you do, but if you are, right. and, and, and I'm sending this as a warning to you too, <laughs> if you're going out West and you're hunting these animals that move around and, that you're having to literally chase on foot, it's a lot different, man. <laughs> it yeah, is a yeah. lot different, and you have to be ready for it. And and I know I know you're up for the challenge and that you're ready to go, but I mean, even for me, I I I the last two years I felt ready, and and the second year more ready than the first, and both times I got my butt kicked, and I'm I'm <laughs> certain that it's going to happen again. And oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not trying to brag or pump my chest out. I, I'm not in bad shape. I definitely could be better, but I'm not in bad shape. So, yeah. I mean, it, it does not take a lot to, to knock the wind out of you out there in the West, I, I feel like, for sure. Yeah, I agree. And uh, like I said earlier, I'm as much of a listener to this podcast as I am <laughs> uh, a provider. So, man, man. Uh, yeah, I'm taking all the advice I can get. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'm going to rabbit trail off of that because that, that is a good point, man. Because, I mean, this podcast, it, it's for everybody. It's not just us trying to tell y'all how we do stuff or giving y'all, you know, just, you know, trying to throw knowledge at you. We like hanging out. We like sitting down and having a conversation and talking about this oh, stuff. Yeah. So we like to share that with you. But also, we we learn just as much from these as you guys do. Because, like like Nick's saying that he's, he's listening to, to me talk about some of this stuff, some of these experiences that I've had and that he's about to have and learning from them. I did the same thing the last two weeks, you know, talking with Rob and Nathan two episodes ago about, 
um, you know, hunting up in Canada and bear hunting. I've never been bear hunting in my life, but, but I learned a lot about it just from sitting with those guys for 45 minutes and talking about it. And then the same with Drew last week talking about elk hunting. So I I really like being able to sit down and, and learn like Nick saying, just from our own guys, just from recording these podcasts. And I really hope that you guys as listeners, um, enjoy it just as much as I do. Cause, cause it's, it's a blast. And, and I, and just in the few weeks that we've been doing this, I, I've really learned a lot and I know you can say the same, Nick. Oh, absolutely. I, I concur 100%. So kind of, kind of to, to begin wrapping up cause, cause I know June's a busy month <laughs> and we both have stuff we still <laughs> got to go do, but, oh, yeah. uh, but to kind of wrap up, I want, I want to turn it back around on that last comment you made about goals. Because yep. setting goals for yourself is a great way to be able to mature yourself as an archer. Um, and like Nick said, it can be anything. And, and you start out small, especially as you start, as you begin um, working your way and becoming a, becoming a bow hunter, an archer. You know, it could be poundage. You know, you start out shooting 50, 60 pounds and your goal is to get 65 or 70 pounds. Um, you start shooting at 10, 20 yards and your goal is to, you know, become consistent at 30. Um, little goals like that are, are what build you into being better later on. You're not going to go out there day one and shoot a 60 yard shot. And, or, I mean, you might get lucky, don't get me wrong, but it's not going (laughs) to be something that you're just going to go out there and just nail it day one, you know? Right. So, and your goal should be fluid. Your goals should change as you mature. Okay, now I'm shooting at 30 yards. Now my goal is to be proficient at 40. Now I'm shooting 70 pounds. Now I'm going to start working um, better on uh, those long-range shots, or I'm going to try to, you know, really try to hone in on my form and and figure out what what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. Um, I'm going to get a better sight, which is going to help me make better shots. You know, upgrading your equipment. All those are goals that you can set that will help you develop and help you become a better archer over time, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So guys get out there, set some goals for yourself. Uh, and don't also try not to compare your, your, you know, archery journey to, to somebody else's, somebody else's shooting 60, 70 yards consistently. Uh, don't worry about it. Just do your thing, shoot what's comfortable for you, set some goals for yourself, uh, and get out on the range and get her done. That that is a very good point. Don't um, compare or rate yourself against somebody else that is not at your same level. You you are comparing and challenging and competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. You are trying to make yourself better because you look down the range and see a guy shooting eighty yards, and you're like, man, I'm only shooting twenty, and I you know I'm not even not even ready for thirty yet. What, what you know. How long is it going to take me to become like that guy? Why can't I be like that guy? Don't worry about that <laughs> right. guy. That guy has been doing it for 20 years, possibly, you know, and, exactly. you're, and you're just starting. So challenge yourself. Put yourself in that position to grow and mature and every day go out there and try to be better than you were the day before. It's good stuff. So, Nick, as we wrap up, I know that you and I have recorded a lot of podcasts before like a majority of the episodes have you and I in them uh but one thing we started doing like the past handful of episodes is we've gotten more guests on the podcast is we've we've asked them what we kind of have started calling our rapid fire questions yeah and yeah. 
I have never asked you these rapid fire questions. So even though this is not <laughs> your first time on the podcast, even though this is not a new thing for you, I'm going to ask you the rapid fire questions. Okay, I'm down. So what is your favorite hunting and or outdoor memory to date? Man, my favorite, my favorite, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the hunting memory, uh, was the last big buck I killed. Uh, it was actually a really cool story. So it's just that at last light during the day that the sun is not far from being all the way down. Um, and me and my dad were sitting in tripods right next to each other up on this hill, looking over this, uh, valley and we, we got a feeder down in the valley and we've seen some does and a couple of little bucks and right at last light we see that, and we're rifle hunting. Uh, this was back before my bow days, but we are, we're rifle hunting. And so we see this buck and we're trying, he's running behind trees. We're trying to get, you know, a good gauge on how big he actually is. And he looks big and, you know, cause he's, you know, when you see, when you see a big deer, you just know he looks big yeah, because he, he looks big bigger deer. than all the other ones, yeah. you know? Uh, so this guy looks big and he's just running from our left to our right chasing a doe. And so, uh, I'm able to find him in my scope and I'm following him and he's, he's still just at a solid trot chasing his doe. And he gets, uh, my, my gun just starts pointing straight at the sun and I'm starting, uh, I have this, the sun is, is giving me this glare on my scope and all I can see are his antlers and the outline of his body. Oh. And so my dad makes a little grunt call. He stops and I put my crosshairs right behind his shoulder, pull the trigger and this dude drops immediately. And that was the coolest feeling was just watching that deer drop and we went over there and he was right where right where he was when i shot him it was and that deer is sitting on my wall right now and so it, it, that's probably my favorite memory uh that that i can think of man that's awesome first one that it's the first one that comes to mind either there's so many you know like i think everybody has said that you know there's so many good memories but uh that was the first one that comes to mind yeah so first one that comes to mind is always a good one and that's an awesome story not just your not just your biggest buck ever but that you got to share it with your dad too that that's oh awesome. yeah so question two what is a bucket list hunt that you have not gotten to do yet oh uh, there's a lot of those too i know uh, you and i, I have talked about bucket lists before we, and both of us have a long one <laughs> yes they're both very long uh but my number one bucket list hunt is an elk and I'm not picky about where it's at, but I'd like a big six by six elk. Heck yeah. Well, um, I, I too would, would share that, uh, maybe not my, my number one of all time, but it's definitely on my <laughs> list as well. So yeah. I, I'm really hoping that maybe someday in, in the, in the years very soon up and coming here that we might have the opportunity to do something like that. That'd be pretty Oh cool. yeah. I, I hope so. So, this, the last question that I always ask in the rapid fire is is asking someone to give a piece of advice relative to the topic that we've discussed. However, I feel like a lot of advice has been given in this podcast, <laughs> and this whole podcast is kind of revolving around advice. Yeah. So I guess what I'll kind of generalize it a little bit more because you are – you're relatively newer into bow hunting 
um, yeah, just just a couple years in. What's been one What's been one of the biggest things you've learned up to now as a as a bow hunter um, developing and and that you a piece of advice relative to that that you would give to somebody just starting out. I think uh, a a great piece of advice would be to get in your repetitions because that's one thing that made me more confident. And like my first bow that I just sold, I never had it tuned to me, but I could put that sucker on the money because I shot it over and over and over and over again. Um, and so that, that is what I would say is get out there practice. And just like we said earlier, I'll put an emphasis an emphasis on what we said earlier is practice those shots that you are planning to take in the upcoming season uh, and practice them over and over and over and over again until it's second nature. 100% agree for sure. Well, buddy, I appreciate you taking time out of your evening to, uh, to record with me again. And even though we're not sitting across the table in person with each other, it was fun to, to get to hang out and talk to you over the phone. Every time we say it, uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's a, it's a great time every time. Great time every time. Hopefully it stays that way. <laughs> guys, thank you all for listening. I hope, like Nick and I said, we learned from this podcast and I hope that you guys are as well. I hope that you guys enjoyed it and got something out of it because that's what it's all about. Whether it's a little thing or a big thing, we want people to learn stuff from what we're bringing. Um, and if you guys have not had a chance to go back and listen to our previous podcast, um, we've been putting one out. Um, once a week who knows if it'll stay that way with as busy as our schedules are but we were grateful that, <laughs> it, that it has up to this point at least so be sure to we're definitely gonna yeah we're definitely gonna try on our, our hardest to, to keep it up yeah absolutely but all as to say go go back and listen because we got a lot of cool episodes that we've that we've covered and topics we've covered previously um, we've had some really cool special guests on here um, including uh, like I said Larry McCoy from the outdoor group in Lee archery that's episode 14. If you guys want to go back and listen to that and get dive a little bit more into the technical side of archery and tuning and all that, um, that is a great episode to go listen to. Be sure that you follow us on social media, um, Fall Obsession. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do because we put out a lot of awesome videos, a lot of stuff relevant to archery, um, and a lot of stuff we're talking about today is covered in those videos and or upcoming videos. We have a, a new series right now called Cure Your Obsession, where we're taking um, our other Nick. We got two Nicks on our staff. We're taking <laughs> the other Nick, Nick Latham, and our marketing manager, Drew Tordick, uh, who are brand new into bow hunting, never really shot a bow before. I know Nick is green green. Other Nick, that is. This is confusing. Um, he, <laughs> Nick Latham. Nick Latham. He is green green. So we are we're taking them from square one and building them into uh, successful proficient archers. And hopefully that series is going to lead all the way into the fall, where they will hopefully each kill a deer with their uh, elite bows this upcoming fall. So, but we're breaking down everything, every last detail of tuning, setup, shooting, sighting in, all that kind of stuff is in that series. So be sure that you guys go check that out. And also on fallobsession.com, um, fallobsession.com slash podcast. On that page, we have a form on there where you guys can um, tell us what you think of our podcast. You can ask us questions or you can suggest a topic that you would like us to cover in a future episode. And we'd be happy to do that as well. We really appreciate you guys uh, following along. And of course, above anything, you guys are listening to this podcast. So please 
hit that follow and subscribe button. That way you get notified every time we release a new episode, and we'd really appreciate it. Nick, did I miss anything? I think that's it, buddy. You nailed it, like uh, you do every time. Uh, I try. I feel like I stumble through it every week, but uh, yeah, you guys <laughs> keep listening to me, so I guess I, I guess I just can... keep keep stumbling. Yeah, I <laughs> guess do, I'll just keep stumbling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we really appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, and hopefully we will see you again next week for another episode of our Fall Obsession podcast. See y'all later.